It is such a daunting thing to be out the front, and but Neil, you should be pretty used to this. <laughs> so come and come and have a seat. It's a, it's a little bit more comfy than the chairs out there. You know, sit back. Lounges for everybody. How about that? Um, Neil and Eunice, do you want to just kind of introduce yourself to the church? Um, I'm Eunice. Um, we, Neil and I, are parents of two daughters. Um, we recently became grandparents, which we're very excited about. Oh, that's exciting. In December. And um, that means, of course, that, uh, you know, our hearts are wanting to be close to our grandchildren, but um, we are kind of just rolling with things as we needed. <laughs> yes. yes. So I think I think you'll all be pleased to know that I'm uh, married to Eunice and I've got the same children and grandchildren, so I don't That's, need to go through that. That is that a good thing. <laughs> That's a good thing. Um, I suppose uh, what's, as Simon mentioned coming up here, my job is with the Synod, so... Um, I guess that's a little bit apart from what Eunice has said. I've been down, been down here um, to well, I've been with the synod for two and a half years, thanks to John Collins. So if anybody's got any problems with that, speak to John Collins, <laughs> who asked me to come back for two months, and I'm now two and a half years into it. So I look after the bank. There's a religious charitable development fund in the Uniting Church called Uniting Financial Services, of which John Collins was the chair. And I'm the CEO of that, um, so I'm also the treasurer of the church uh, of the Synod. So we've got treasury and investments area, and I'm the executive director of that. And then recently, last year, because I felt I wasn't busy enough, they also added that I'm executive director of what we call mission support services. So that's all the support services of the church that allow mission to happen. So that's the legal, property, financial, um, IT and all of those areas. So that's a little bit about me. That's a, that's some big stuff that you're doing there, um, Neil. So lots of stuff. But and thank you for being part of that. And I've known Neil for um, uh, probably almost that two and a half years you've been down. So being part of Synod Standing Committee. And I remember you first being introduced while you were still in Queensland. So um, yes. So would you like to kind of explain um, maybe where God had been uh, working in your lives in the last year? So, um, Last year, as Neil said, um, was quite a huge year for us, for mm. him at work. Mm. Um, for me, I guess, uh, being the person watching um, and seeing what effect that had on him, yeah. I think that um, looking back, we both felt, challenge because we're now no longer living amongst our family or our support group, but we're living in a place that we're hoping to establish relationships and, you know, getting to know people. So, yeah, there were times there that we both um, just really had to plug into and press into God mm -hmm. um, and get strength from that. And then also, for me personally, um, having a support group of women um, who I could pray with and you know who you are and you're very precious to me in this church. So um, that has been an incredible blessing to me. Um, also, just trusting God with things that you don't know where the, what the outcome is going to be. 
So when things are tough, pressing in and praying um, and, and, and she's saying, God, I give this to you because I don't know where this is heading and actually I don't have control of the situation, um, has been a growing experience. And mm. we've seen God answer prayer for us yep. um, wonderfully. Um, an example of that was last year. Um, our daughter was having her babies, twins, in December. We didn't know when that was going to happen. We wanted to be around, but we were going, we don't know how this is going to be. And we went to a wedding, and that very weekend, her obstetrician said to her, your babies are going to be coming, and they're going to be coming now. And we happened to have seen them, and we were in Queensland at that time. So it was just a sign for me of God's um, love and his grace. And then it happened again the same month because we were um, again on holiday up in Queensland and um, the children, the babies had just gone home and a big storm hit Queensland and they were caught up in it and they had no power, no electricity. And we were there and they said, can we come to you? And we said, of course, come. (laughs) So, um, you know, I just see those things where God is interested in the details of our lives and Mm. um, I'm just so grateful for that. So it was a year of of joys and challenges. Yep. So, yeah. and, and just just knowing and looking looking back and seeing where God's provident hand has been and just understanding that, that's fantastic. So when you, um, for all of those out there that are retired or heading close to retirement, I thought I was in that position. So my, um, my duty every day as we lived in Cleveland and looked over the water of Stradbroke Island and Morton Island was to decide when I had co- when I should have coffee, should I play tennis, golf, or go for a run, you know, those kind of things. So I, I used to pray and say, Lord, I'm prepared to be inconvenienced for you. I had a caveat. I didn't want to be inconvenienced by work or by anything else, but I was prepared to be inconvenienced by speaking to people about Jesus or anything like that. So I was limiting it to that. Eunice, as a prayer warrior, was saying, I think God's still got something for you. And I went, oh, my goodness, well, you know, maybe that's something for me is to speak to the neighbor about Jesus, you know, kind of thing. But I never saw what I saw coming last year, and I think for Nico and others that that know a little bit about Afrikaans. Last year was, we've got an Afrikaans word, which is fussbait, which is just hold tight. And last year was just holding tight. You know, it was a huge job. The synod, as you know, has got huge problems. The church itself has got shrinking numbers, um, cash flow problems, um, asset rich, but cash poor, all of those things. And suddenly I was injected into that and asked to speak into that in various leadership positions. So. It was a huge change for us. It was a hanging on year, but I think the Lord spoke to us about what we can do better in 2024 to, um, yeah, just just to do things better in 2024 rather than just survive like we did last year. Mm. And and like last year, you know, and as you were saying that um, being a prayer warrior and just speaking up and being willing to speak up, um, I, I was at the privilege of being at Synod last year. And, and Neil was actually doing um, the financial report for uh, the whole of the Synod. And it was actually one of the best preaching messages I've heard um, at Synod in a long time. So fantastic job. Yeah. Um, so th- 
part of what we've been doing is looking back at where God has been in our lives over the years, but also looking forward to where God might be leading us. So do you want to kind of share where you might be thinking God is, is maybe challenging you or leading you for this year? Uh, one of the, the areas that I think God has challenged me in is that I need to draw closer to him, mm-hmm. number one. Um, and particularly challenged by John 15, where he talks about remaining in him. Yep. Because then he will remain in me. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't bear fruit if I'm not abiding in him. Yep. So, um, and, and that kind of looks like um, sometimes it's a hard thing because you need to keep returning to him. Yep. You keep need, needing that connection. Mm. Um, working on that relationship because yep. the rewards are yep. amazing. Mm. Yeah. And so, so can I delve into that for a little bit? Yeah. So what does that look like for you? Is that like increased in prayer or Bible reading? or? Yeah, so I think um, I've had a lot more time to spend um, on that and I've probably learned more about having a toolbox and it's not just one thing. There's a toolbox of, of different ways of, mm. of worshipping God. Yep. Because I think sometimes we forget about our emotions and our feelings. Mm. And we forget that sometimes those are the things that keep us from God. So being honest in my relationship with God is important. And mm. saying, God, I'm having a tough day. Um, I don't really feel like doing this. But I'm here because I know you love me. I love you. So... It's, it's just being real, I yep. think, being real. And then God speaks yep. into that space. So I've, I've been surprised by that. I think. Okay. Being honest, honest mm-hmm. with God, fantastic. Yeah. Um, for me, as we go into 2024, obviously a, a lot of what I do and think and pray about and discern is, is, is got to do with the synod overall and other congregations and presbyteries. And when I talk about that, please understand that I'm just part of the cog in the wheel. You know, we've got some amazing ministry agents through the church. We've got some amazing wisdom and all the rest. So people do that. But when I look at it, you know, I look at the one thing that's happened in the church and for me over the last 10 or 15 years is is just that the thing that grows has grown in the church is is our sort of asset value, if I may speak about that, you know, by, by almost doing nothing. Our property numbers, our property values have increased and our assets have increased, but our numbers haven't necessarily increased, you know. So I think the Lord was really challenging me and us as we look to discipleship to go, what's the things that that keep you back from doing the essentials or the basics? So, you know, for me, I look at the basics and last year and say, keep my eyes on Jesus, seek first him. You know, he wants me to pray without ceasing. Well, I... I pray without ceasing if I've got a crisis. I pray without ceasing if I've got an immediate answer that I need. But I don't necessarily pray wide enough. And we've got amazing prayer warriors within Pitwater, you know, and and we're blessed by them. You know, the Cliffs and the Warrens, if I may mention names, and others that, that can lead us and teach us about that. But but I, God wants my prayer to be wider. He doesn't want it to just be emergency prayers. And and I think for me, the three things that I'm going to focus on is, is I don't want my blessings that he's given me in Eunice, in the girls, in my grandchildren, in my work, in all of, all of the blessings that he's given me. He doesn't want the blessings that he's given me to be a distraction from the basics. 
mm. and, and the basics of our faith, which we've got to get back to. He doesn't want my burdens that I feel every day with the, with the weight of things mm. to be a distraction from the basics. And he definitely doesn't want my busyness to be a distraction from the basics. So this year is going to be a year with the support of people around me to pray into it and say, Lord, I'm available for inconvenient meetings to talk about Jesus. I'm available for inconvenient meetings to help people and, and to show Jesus into the community. Fantastic. Hey, talking about prayer, can I just pray for you? So let's, let's just pray for, for Neil and Eunice. Uh, gracious, loving God, we, we, we give you thanks for, for Neil and Eunice and, and, and all that they mean to us here, but um, for their family, their friends, for the Synod and everything else that is going on there. Lord, I just pray that you will continue to guide them and lead them. I give them a, a real honest relationship uh, with you. Uh, warts and all, Lord, help that relationship grow and, and thrive and develop. But Lord, we also just pray that you will continue to work through um, through Neil and just pray, especially uh, through his connections and what he does with the, the, the wider church. Lord, I just pray that you will continue to challenge him to speak the truth into all of those meetings, continue to challenge people to look towards Jesus in all that they do. Lord, we just pray a blessing upon them right now. Amen. Just you want to put our hands together for Neil and Eunice? Thank you very much. There we go. Thank you. Let's just pray together, church. Oh, Lord God, we just pray that you will guide us and lead us and open up your word for us again today. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be upon us and leading us um, in the understanding of your word and what it means to follow you. Lord, I just pray this in your holy name. Amen. Well, you might have realised that we've read the same passage for two weeks in a row, and that's on purpose, because I want us to continue to focus around discipleship and what that means. As, as I said last week, we're going to be looking and focusing more on discipleship throughout this year and what that actually entails for us. And, and, and what better way to kind of understand discipleship than starting to look at some of the ways that Jesus called the first disciples. And so uh, we're, we're looking at John's gospel just here, and um, I'm going to finish off John's uh, gospel and calling of the disciple today. But what I want us to do is remind us, and we'll put up the, the next slide, what is the basis? Why do we think about discipleship? Why is discipleship so important? And why in, in our Australian context within church, and, and Neil was actually just talking about this, about how, how our churches have got more valuable, but we've got less people. And part of that is a crisis of discipleship. And so we actually need to be willing to say, what is our journey like? Where are we going? What are we doing? And how are we being disciples that make other disciples that will make other disciples? And the reason I put that is because Jesus did commission his disciples not to just hold that information there, but it says, you know, in Matthew 28, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority on heaven and earth and therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and commanding and obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
And we know what the disciples did. So if we read through the Gospels and then we start reading through Acts, we know that the disciples actually started to take this seriously, actually started to spread the good news. And, you know, after Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit filled them with, with the power and authority to go and preach and spread that good news, we know that they, they really pushed into what it meant to actually go and multiply and, and develop new disciples, spread that good news of Jesus Christ to all of the world. In Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7, there's this, there's this record of how the early church in Jerusalem uh, were finding it that they were getting caught up in all of these other things that were important, but were stopping, from, stopping the apostles from going and spreading the good news of, of, of making new disciples and teaching people to obey what Jesus had commanded. And so in, if you read through Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through to 7, you will actually find that they reorganized the church. They, they, they put in deacons to go and um, serve the needy and the poor in the place, and they commission them, they lay their hands on them, they pray for them. They, they, have, they, they have these deacons that are of good standing to do, go and do that. And that releases the, the apostles to continue to be apostles. And it says and the, the, the outcome of that was that the God's message continued to spread. God's message continued to spread. The numbers of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were also converted too. So in other words, what was happening by reorganizing around discipleship, around spreading that so that they could go and continue to do that, not be caught up in, in the things that were not important, but spreading the message of God, they were able to increase the numbers. They multiplied. So that is the reason why we're cutting do that. And that's part of the reason why we are thinking deeply about this. Part of the reason why as a church we are going on a journey over the next couple of years looking at um, building a disciple and culture within our own community as well. Discipleship ultimately is about connecting with others. Connecting with God and connecting with others. And as we connect with others, we share our own discoveries about Jesus. We share our journey with Jesus Christ. We share our own discipleship journey there. So let me just come, jump back into John's Gospel, um, chapter 1. And I'm going to actually put up from verse 40, this little section, verse 40, 41, and 42. So follow along on the screen with me or in your Bibles as well. Or if you're taking notes on the church app, on Sermons Notes, it's in there as well. And it says this, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus and looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John. And then he goes and goes and changes Simon's name. And we know he gets called Peter. So let me just break this section down for you. We'll just leave it on the screen for a moment, just so you can kind of see this a little bit. But we're going to have some points um, pop up in a moment. But what I want us to do is as we're thinking about this, like last, last time we, we noticed that we were looking at this, this passage of the call that we had some disciples that were disciples of John the Baptist that heard about Jesus and, and, and how John was pointing towards Jesus and, the, and those disciples actually left John the Baptist in order to follow Jesus and actually followed him to find out and know more. They were leaning and they were learning to know. 
This time we, we, we pick up the story of one of those disciples, Andrew, who'd followed Jesus, spent the time with Jesus, listening and understanding, and then he does something. After actually hearing Jesus, and we're going to put the first point up, Andrew needed to share what he had heard. You know, he, he couldn't just hold it in there. He, he actually had to share that they had found Jesus. They'd found the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one. There was something stirred inside of him that he was so excited. What did he do? He went and found his brother. He actually, there's like, like do you remember, for the, those people who have, have, have said yes to Christ, Hey, do you want to just put your hands up, those people who said yes to Christ and said, yes, I believe, I'm, we, we've got a place full of believers in here. Do you remember back when you first said yes? Did you want to go and tell somebody? Yes. Fantastic. James is always good. Is, yes, I did. But some of us may have been in a situation where we felt as though, Oh, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous and a little scared to tell people I've actually just made a commitment to Christ. But, but the reality is something stirring inside of you, just going, I have to tell somebody about this. Part of saying yes to Christ is actually declaring that, and, and you know, when we when we do baptisms and all those kind, of, that's a public declaration of your faith in Christ. They're, they're the kind of things that we're kind of talking about there. But you know, it, 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 we just want to share. We want to share what's happening we want to something great has happened to us so we want to share if something great happens in your life do you hold it a secret and you want to share it out so that's the same with what is happening here Andrew actually needed to share there's something inside of you needed to share and so the second point is that he then goes and finds his brother Simon in order to tell him the same thing that he had been searching for, the Messiah, the chosen one, God's chosen one here on earth, the Lamb of God, as, as John the Baptist says, he, he goes and finds his brother and says, we have found him. Oh, he, he, the conversation was, probably was a little bit longer than that, but basically he's going, well, oh, we, we, John pointed him out, we went and followed him, we sat down and we listened, and yes, he is the... He's the one who John says, he's the Lamb of God. He's the Messiah, the chosen one. God here. So he, he's, he's just telling his brother about this. And, and one of the key things is that the sharing that Andrew does, and this is a really key thing around discipleship and connections with discipleship, is he actually shared it through a relational pathway. So instead of just going and finding one, some random stranger and saying, oh, I've found Christ, isn't that wonderful? He actually went to somebody that he had a connection with, a relational connection, and, and he followed that relational connection and shared with them because there was meaning in his life and he shared it with somebody that would understand the meaning. We, we don't, you know, when something good happens in our life, we just don't go to the next person sitting around, you know, randomly there and just like on the bus and just go, hey, I've got some great news for you. You know, um, we don't kind of tend to do that. We do it through connections that we have. And this is, what, this is what we do. When we think about discipleship, when we think about evangelism, it is about sharing through our relational connections, not sharing randomly everywhere. But the, because we have connection with them, we can convey meaning and we can convey purpose and we can convey understanding. And they have skin in the game because we've got a connection with them. So that's why we share. Um, you know, and, and, and let me be honest. 
some families don't have great relational connections. So, you know, you might share that you've just given your life to Christ and um, you may not get a wonderful response. I just want to acknowledge that. But you will also have other people in your life that you are relationally connected. It may not be your family of origin. It may be friends. It may be family. It might be work colleagues. It might be the people you go surfing with. It could be any of that, but it's you share with them. So, so what does Andrew do? He, there's this urge, this urgency to go and share, the need to share. And then he goes and finds, he shares that with a relational connection and then putting it a little literally further, what does Andrew do? He literally takes Simon and brings him to Jesus. You know, the, leading somebody to Christ, Andrew did it literally. He actually took him and brought him to Jesus, you know, leading somebody to Christ. And, you know, we, we do that that that's actually part of discipleship is a willingness to actually show somebody else Jesus Christ lead them to Christ let them let them find Christ for themselves and and the fourth point i just want to put up there is that you know when we when we meet Jesus when 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 we say yes to Christ change happens simon's name was changed there's actually real change when we say yes to Christ. Our life is not the same. We're a new person um, through Christ. And so we see that happening just in this little section. So, so we can see the four kind of things that there's a need to share, that we share through our relational connections. You know, a Andrew's willing to actually lead his brother to Christ. Um, and so that's actually something that we do as well. And, and when we meet, we're actually expecting change. Where there's an expectation that God is going to be present and, and active and will be there and will change and be present in our lives. So if we're thinking about our own discipleship and our own journey, are we willing to see? Are we urging? Are we wanting to see God in action in our life and in the lives of others? Maybe we need to be really honest and, and you know, um, come back into prayer and come back into fasting, come back into really... Um, uh, reading the Bible again and and really just understanding what it means for, for us to follow Christ in all of our life. Um, also, so in the same way that Andrew brought his brother Simon to see Jesus, um, we, we also see that um, Philip um, actually does the same with Nathaniel. He actually he actually shares with Nathaniel about about Jesus. Um, and, and Nathaniel, you know, like, like, like all things go, oh, I don't really believe you. How could anything good come out of Nazareth kind of thing? It's like, oh, yeah, come on, tell me another one kind of thing. But, you know, it, it, and he goes, basically, come and see. Come and see for yourself. Come and experience this. So the, the whole thing about discipleship is that it's actually living out of your own journey with God and you invite others to come and see what that journey is like. It's a willingness to share that journey with other people. So, that, you know, being a disciple is a follower of Jesus. But it also means that we need to share with others around us through our relational connections, our relational networks. We share with our families, with our friends, with our connections. Parents share their faith with their children. Children share their faith with their parents, relational connections. And when this happens, when we actually start sharing our faith, when we actually start inviting people into this uh, 
journey of understanding that we have about what it means to be a follower of Christ, God shows up and does amazing things. And the church actually begins to multiply. When we place this up front that our discipleship journey, you know, we can't disciple somebody else until we start becoming a disciple ourselves. So it's actually about us having that real inner journey with God in our life so that we can share that with others. It's not about, and, and, and let, me say, let me give you this little, little bit. Notice that in this passage, when, when Andrew invites Simon to come and see Jesus, he didn't try and go and explain all the four spiritual laws um, and, and, and you know, do all of the things. He, he basically just invited him to come and see. He invited him to come and see. Explore this and understand for yourself. That's the invitation into a journey of discipleship. Is not to go, I've got to explain everything. I'm inviting you to come on a journey with me so we can find God. It's a little different, a little subtle, but that's what it is. Discipleship is about inviting people to come and find God for themselves. So, the question we have always leads to a question, doesn't it? In all of this, thinking about discipleship, thinking about your own journey, is discipleship something important for you? Is, is actually following Christ in all of your life something important for you? Is, is discipleship something that you want to share with others? If the answer is yes, let me ask you this question. Who are you going to share that with today? If not today, tomorrow. If not tomorrow, in the week. Who are you going to share that with because we're being invited to go and share with those around us that we have connection with, relational connections with. Let's just pray, church. A gracious, loving God, we, just, we give you thanks that you continue to call people. Continue to call people to be disciples, to be followers of you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray today that your Holy Spirit will be upon us. And Lord, I'm sensing that, that there are people here today that are, that are just yearning to, to know you more fully, more deeply, to actually, to actually say yes to you, um, to increase their journey of discipleship, their understanding. Lord God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit is upon them and that they are just opening up to you today. Oh Lord, if, if you could do one thing, Lord, just give us a passion, a passionate faith to love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. And may this be something that we share with those around us. Lord, we just pray that you will place a name on our hearts right now. A name to share. A name to invite. To come on a journey. Oh Lord, you know you are always present in our lives. You know you are always leading us. You know that you are always drawing us close and challenging us. 
Lord, may we just follow you. May we come to know you as our Lord and Saviour. Amen. I mean, let's just stand and